Okay, hi everybody. Hello. Welcome back to Wandering Into Wellness. Uh, today we are joined by Brianna, who is an imagination coach, and she is joining us from LA, and we're super excited to have her. Welcome. Hi. <laughs> um, so I actually found you through reading an article um, that you were involved in with Momotaro yeah. um, and Momotaro do amazing products which mm -hmm. I use for like vaginal wellness and like health and reproductive stuff all using natural ingredients and they're just like super cool but they do these great interviews and you did an amazing interview with them all about the intersection of sexuality and motherhood and it just really impressed me because as a mom um, and as someone who's always felt like really comfortable in their sexuality I really identified with loads of the stuff that you were talking about in the article and it really struck me that people just don't talk about motherhood and sexuality in the same sentence it's so we've just kind of cleaved them into two really comfortable separate boxes where we're going like yeah in nighttime in the bedroom I might be sexual definitely if my children are in a different place and in the daytime I'm in the mother role and that's the way that I am and it was so nice to see how fluid you were with that and that you were actively trying to pursue bringing that into a kind of more normal sphere in media stuff and so we were really excited to chat to you mm. and I guess that like to start off by asking you when you were anticipating being a mother when you were thinking about creating a family was this something that you already really had in your head that you were thinking I really want to do this a little bit differently than what I've seen or did that just evolve as stuff happened um I think I definitely was at least aware of this this separation that exists at least at least maybe on a sub subconscious level and um, I had some practice with redefining roles for myself as um, my husband and I are in an open marriage. And for me, um, being a wife was something that was already really, really made me nervous in terms of like how I would have to um, adjust who I am or the way that I behaved now that I was occupying this new role. So I feel like going into motherhood, I was having a lot of the same feelings, but mm -hmm. with, with a little more knowledge of like, oh, I actually have a little bit of, of power to redefine this as, as it fits me. Um, so I don't know that I had like very particular ideas on what that would look like, mm -hmm. but it was something that I did know was important. I didn't want to to feel pressure to change the way that I dressed or behaved or spoke um, because I was a mom, you know? Yeah. And did you have like, in your own upbringing, was there elements of like, say, non-traditional aspects that you were kind of bringing forward or were you designing this like from the ether? Um, no, my, my, uh, my childhood was pretty, pretty typical, I'd say. And my mom, I come from um, a big Mexican family mm -hmm. and um, there's, 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 there's some shame around body stuff, which is, mm -hmm. which is really, it's not even sexuality necessarily. It's more like body, bodily functions. And so um, I, I was, I was kind of taught not to be super open about what was going on with my body. It was something that we didn't really talk about. So I think that, um, in, in part, the way that I mother is a little bit of like a reaction to that. Um, and, and wanting, 
wanting to create something new in my own home culture. And then also for them just to not just to give them a different starting point. Cause I feel like for me, I had to do a lot of catching up and a lot of like unlearning. And I'm like, yeah. how could I create a different household culture um, for them? Yeah. And how did, so being in an open marriage, did you have to decide or spend time thinking about like, how did mother motherhood fit into that template? Cause that's yeah. also an unusual template, right? Totally. We're still, we're still like kind of in the midst of that in, in some ways, because uh, my oldest is only three. And then um, we also, you know, dealt with the pandemic for a chunk of a chunk of it. So, so in a lot of ways, we're, we're still navigating that we're still navigating, you know, how that all fits together. You ready? Um, I think. Uh, how does it all fit together? really it's it's changed it's mostly changed the types of relationships that i'm seeking um because motherhood as you know is is very demanding of time and energy and so i've just found that the types of relationships that we are looking for tend to be on the more casual end whereas before i had i had children i i enjoyed um relationships that were a little more serious for lack of better terms mm -hmm. or deeper emotional connections not that that's not possible i think it's just uh we've just kind of swerved a little bit in the types of connections that we um seek out yeah and so like for your kids do you think when they're 17 18 are they going to grow up like i don't know i'm thinking like that sex at dawn book which is amazing which talks about this a lot in a lot of cultures where they like have a village that raises a kid Mm -hmm. Are you kind of on that sort of vein where they won't necessarily distinctly identify one major parent archetype and you'll have a multiple different personalities to influence? Is that the thing or is that part of it? I, think, I mean, I think that, that in an ideal world, like that's interesting to me, but I'm finding that my husband and I like do still seek to like um, provide them with a little bit of normalcy. And then <laughs> I think not that that's not normal, but it's, it is, it is a little bit further on the scale of, of being more alternative. And actually, um, we live a little communally. We live our, with the same, um, on the same property as our best friends. They live like 20 feet away in a back house. So we're kind of doing a little bit of that. Um, and, and I joke with them a lot because they're, it, we're non-monogamous, they're monogamous. Um, and our relationship with them is not sexual at all, but it has a lot of like the same components of like um, these like poly communities where yeah. we're just, we do do a lot of, of, of sharing of caring for the children and they just kind of go back and forth and she won't let me wipe her nose, but she'll let Alex wipe her nose. So oh, like, <laughs> there's like there's a lot of these um, other features, even though our relationship with them is is not sexual so um yeah in a, in a way we're doing that there's kind of just like a grab bag of types of relationships but mostly there's just a fluidity and an openness to um the types of relationships that come into our lives and not trying to um put like a, a stop once they feel like past a point of intimacy that would be problematic potentially for other 
uh, couples or more closed relationships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so, I mean, this isn't really, I mean, it's a slight divergence to get into us, but it's just so interesting. Um, tell me, tell me about yourself and your partner and your attitudes to the relationship and the, cause we've talked a lot about mm. like, how relationships can be different poly what, versus poly, monogamous yeah, stuff, and what yeah. would they be like mm. how would it be like to have that kind of version of trust or bring in different things to like receptacles and yeah like, you know and when, those... that, when that would work versus when it wouldn't work like say in stressful times that you might revert to our normalcy and then like in times where like things are good there's lots of ripe abundant fruit around then kind of people are thinking a bit more polyamorously about things like do you have do you have those types of thoughts about it like is it is it like you constantly converse with your husband about how you is that kind of where we yeah just yeah. like are you on the same page yeah like did you were, you were you both interested in it going into it do you feel like you're constantly having to come back and like do you have rituals around like creating a safe space where each week you talk about like are we in the same place around this what do we need to bring or or has it just been really seamless uh it has not been seamless <laughs> 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 But that's what pushed me into co wanting to coach other folks who are desiring more imaginative relationship structures is because there are there's so many easy mistakes to make um and my husband and I were not immune to that uh, as you're trying to to do a bunch of unlearning and figuring out how to do things in a new way where there's not like a clear template it is very challenging and for us you know, we got together when we were 21 years old, which is so young and little babies. <laughs> so young. And you know, I didn't I didn't I didn't expect to meet the person that I wanted to be, you know, life partners with at such a young age. That really surprised me. And um I actually met him when I had just started thinking about uh, thinking of myself as non-monogamous or as as poly, um, which I'm still not sure if I'm poly or if I'm not, it, it's, it's another story. <laughs> but, um, but at the time I had just realized like, oh, I think that I, I'm non, I'm a non-monogamous person that makes more sense to me. So I was very open with him about that. I'm just like, hey, this is where I'm at. This, I think this is, this might be what I need. This is what I need to at least explore right now. And we spent the few years of our relationship um, exploring it very slowly it, it just would look with it would look like me like making out with somebody and then us kind of seeing how that felt it was it was very slow and you know when you're in a new relationship um that new relationship energy is so potent that you 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 can be even if you're non-monogamous I think you can be a little more content with the monogamy because mm. just because of the potency of that energy so um it, it took a little bit of time for us to explore it a little more in depth and Daniel that's my partner's name he I've talked to, the, to him about this recently I was like do you think that you are non-monogamous or do you think that it's something that you practice because there is there is a difference mm -hmm. there um some some folks who identify as non-monogamous they're like no it's a part of who I am which is how I feel I don't think that I mm -hmm. could do monogamous relationships for a long period of time in any context. Um, whereas for him, I, what we landed on is for him, it's more so he enjoys the, the philosophy of it and it makes sense to him. So mm. he, he would be more content in a monogamous relationship, but he does like 
um, now that, now that we've been doing it and that we've dived a little bit deeper into like the reasons why, um, it's something that he believes in and enjoys for himself. So we've gotten on the same page with it, but it requires constant communication. Um, because as you know, you're both changing as individuals, uh, your relationship shifting factors in your life are shifting. These are all things that can shift your desires and your other relationships even who you meet can really shift your desires um, specifically who you meet right <laughs> yeah, yeah specifically who you meet but I mean what I mean more by that is like say that I say I'm thinking that you know we're only seeking really casual connections right now and you know I go out there and I go on a date with someone and I'm and you know that's my intention but then you meet someone and you you only have in my opinion so much control over the type of connections that mm -hmm. that um can grow so you know even though i would might be going into it desiring a more casual connection if i meet someone that just really inspires a, a, a deeper connection then you got to communicate through that you know that's what it is and have you, you've had that situation happen then yeah uh, yeah, yeah, we have had that situation happen. I ended up in a three-year relationship um, while Daniel and I were married. I had a boyfriend um, and I, I did not, neither of us thought that that would happen. So that was a, a big learning process and um, really great for us, inspired a lot mm -hmm. of growth um, and deepening of our relationship, but it wasn't anything that either of us expected to happen. Right. Yeah. I just think I just keep thinking about my mother the whole time I just keep thinking about like if those were the choices that I made how would my mother react mm. it's so funny that I'm, I mean she lives in a different country like yeah. but it just it's just the thought that keeps coming up in my mind all the time because since being a mother you know I think your relationship with your mother is it changes because they have ways that they parented you and then you might make different choices about the way that you parent your children and they might see that as a reflection on how you think they did as a parent or you know and, and vice versa that might go back and forth and I'm just thinking like now that you're a mother and then I, I don't know is your mother still alive or like how does she feel about you being a mother like did she know about you being non-monogamous first how did she feel then and has that changed now that you're a mother? Yeah, we're actually, we're not formally out to our families. Okay. Um, we have siblings that we're close with that, that we talk very openly about it, okay. but um, we're not formally out with our parents. Um, for me, it's been a really slow process of kind of giving my, my parents more and more clues. Mm -hmm. um, and I think inviting them to ask questions if they want like as they as they get these clues like all right if if they're ready for this then they'll then they'll ask a little bit more and if they're not then they won't and I think that that's kind of how we're handling it um I think like coming in super hot with like all right guys we're non-monogamous and this is the way it is and if you don't like it like I just don't see that strategy being very effective so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Just, I'm just hoping they don't read the Momotaro blog or like watch I feel very open to them finding out. Like for me, okay, it doesn't okay, yeah, cool. Well, you obviously, yeah, you something must. to hide or something that like yeah. I, I need to be ashamed of. It's yeah. something that I, that is a part of me. And, yeah. um, you know, I, 
I'm really fine with the possibility of my mom finding, you know, the blog and reading it and then approaching yeah. me about it. I'm, ex I'm actually very excited to have that conversation with her. I just don't want to do it until I feel like she's ready because mm -hmm. I, I can see that as you're imagining with your mother, <laughs> like I can see it like not going, uh, perfectly so <laughs> down in some set, some set of flames maybe perhaps I don't know just thought um so we spoke about your relationship to your mother and your polyamory what about your relationship to yourself and your sexuality and becoming a mother and your relate your your you know your identity and yourself and polyamory did that shift when you became a parent did you want to protect uh, like a, a tighter unit or did that change at all or did you did you did you maintain that kind of fluidity in, in your identity like sexually throughout um mostly because of logistics it shifted a little bit I think that mm. I didn't have you know before you become a mom you you think you have a, a concept of it but in in reality like there's no way to have like a mm. real concept of it unless you've like lived very closely with another mother and like seen it all it's just really hard to like actually imagine so um mostly because of just sheer logistics and time uh i i dated less um i have been dating less since i've been a mom but it's not because i want to be dating less necessarily well i guess that was actually a surprise too is like how much i enjoy being home with my kids and how like my husband's actually been dating more since since i became a mother than i have because i find that like with nursing so much and loving nursing and like just really seeing the benefit of being like with them mm. physically um yeah. it's just actually shifted my desires a little bit where i've 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 come home early from dates <laughs> i'm like yeah. i'm like i'm sorry i got to go home i miss my Slightly exhausted you know? yeah i miss my babies so um, yeah and i but i feel really like okay with that in this season just knowing that that'll shift again um because my children are she's 15 months and then who are you kicking don't knock the table down and then our oldest is three so they're still very young um yeah and tell me i remember reading i remember when i was breastfeeding my little guy and we had a challenging breastfeeding journey so like one i many nights i was sitting up feeding him in the middle of the night like on my phone trying to stay awake whilst sitting up um and i remember coming across an article where someone some kind of instagram person had commented that they were feeding their kid like you know how some people feed lying down in bed at night that beautiful thing that i was never able to do but looks really cozy um and that she was feeding them and then her husband like approached her to have sex and they started having sex and the baby was still feeding at the time mm -hmm. and the article was about the responses to that post and like how vehemently anti basically every single person who ever saw the post was about it and i remember being so shocked like it just wasn't there for me at my time in my life to be having sex and breastfeeding the same thing because the breastfeeding was just so tricky. I just, it just couldn't have happened. It just would have been right. impossible. But I wouldn't have been opposed. It didn't repulse me, the idea. Like, it definitely didn't shock me. I was like, oh, yeah, I can see how that would happen, right? But everybody who had read this article or seen this post was, like, profoundly shocked that this woman would have been breastfeeding her baby and having sex at the same time. And it was amazing for me, but everyone I talked to going like, do you feel that way? Everyone was like, no way would I do that, God. Mm. And so I did like, I, 
it seemed like reading your article, I was like, okay, so it seems like she's actually talking about this thing where it doesn't have to be like mother and sexual, but not at the same time. There's just like how, like our, our breasts are these sexual things, right? But then when you're breastfeeding, the actual act of the breastfeeding isn't like sexual feeling, but that doesn't mean your breast can't also be sexual. Like, why do they have to be separate things at the same time, you know? Yeah, uh, I remember that as well. That was before, I'm pretty sure that was before I was a mother. Um, I think that was a, it was a model. She was a model as well, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Um, yeah, for me, what I think, I mean, I think there's a few pieces to why it makes people so uncomfortable. I think one, as we've touched on before, just that people like really need these identities to be separate, you know, of like mother and whore and like you can't, you can't be both at the same time. I think people just really struggle with that. And I think that has to do with, with, with just how much power there is in both of those roles. There's mm -hmm. so much power in the role of mother and like your ability to nurture and to bring life. Um, but there's also a very different power in a, in a woman's sexuality. Um, and I think that we're able to recognize those two powers and those two roles as like, as, as being so powerful, but, but putting them together is just, oh my goodness, like seeing a woman in, in her full power as sexual being, but also mother. And like, mm -hmm. it, it's a lot, it's a lot for people to, to handle, I think is, is, is the first part of it. The second part of it, I think is that we're just really, we're still very uncomfortable with our own sexualities. There still is a lot of shame just around sexuality in general. Um, and I think owning that sexuality around your children is very challenging because we have this desire, I think, to protect them. Mm. And I think that we, we, we accidentally overcompensate. And instead of learning, learning how to interact with our sexuality in an, in an appropriate um, and healthy way in front of our children um, is very scary. And it, and it feels like we're, we're crossing lines or doing something wrong. Um, but we rob ourselves of the opportunity to teach them what a healthy sexuality looks like. Yeah, exactly that. That's really the key point, isn't it? It's like when you go back to like the Salem witch trials, it feels like that's basically, it's like that, that kind of significant power of femininity that we know we can't, because there's, you know, with men, it's a really different thing like a man and a baby like there have been like posters in the 80s and 90s of like topless men holding babies women are looking they're going that's or i don't know i mean, maybe those are designed by men but i i don't know coke ad whatever but they're like like it's a sexual image of a man holding a baby that's cool yeah but it seems like once it's crossing over into like the, the ability of a mum to like you say give life feed her baby and pleasure herself or have sex at the same time it just it's like is it is the confusion, is the revulsion as a result of confusion? And is the confusion just a lack of templating? Is that like, is that what's going on? That's a good question. Like if we just saw it more, would it just not be confusing? Is it just the I, case that I we- I think in part, in part, yes. And mm -hmm. I think that, I think we are seeing more of it. And I touched in my article on Momotaro, like how there are female celebrities that have done a little bit of work, mostly mostly women of color, but to push that line a little bit, Cardi B was breastfeeding in her, in her music video. Um, but 
yeah, I, I think we do need to see it more. And that's why I, I try and I, I didn't want to change the way that I acted out in the world once I became a mother. Um, because I did want to provide more examples. I remember even while pregnant, people have a hard time with it. Even before the baby comes out of your body, you know, people see you're a mother, but like they don't want to see your body as sexual as well. Even though you're like, how do you think I got pregnant? Yeah. I was at the grocery store one time and it was it was a warm day. I was wearing like a crop top with my belly, my pregnant belly out and like, I don't know, a skirt. Um, but you know, cover, I'm not going to go naked to the grocery store, but my, my pregnant belly was out. It was a hot day. I didn't see a problem with it. And there was a man in the grocery store that was just like, so bothered by my belly being out. And he just, he just like looked at me with so much like emotion on his face. And he was like, nice belly <laughs> whoa heavy you were like yes it is thank you <laughs> yeah like he but it was interesting because his reaction was so visceral and i think that like he wasn't even really conscious of like why he was having that reaction or like what was happening he just saw like oh pregnant belly maybe I'm finding this woman attractive too. And I, and I don't know what to do. And I'm like short circuiting. Here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Literally, literally that. It's funny though, isn't it? Because I think like, so we have this notion of like, I feel like if you had a discussion with like, you're like, say we just took all the neighbors, like the five houses randomly around here and just like had a conversation around like, how would you feel about like having sex in a bedroom where your kids were also mm. sleeping at the same time? The average person would be like, no, like there's no way that I'm going to do that. Yeah, my kids the same room. Like, no yeah. way. Whereas we also would then like go to India and accept that most families sleep in a one room situation, mm. maybe a one bed situation, and there's lots of kids, so they're having a lot of sex because those kids are happening, mm. and that's yeah. definitely happening in the same situation as all those kids. And we're not like, we're not even like consciously thinking like shame on them. Yeah. You know? But oh. I, I think in sorry, sorry, go on, go on. Okay. With, with the, so the, with the Indian thing, it's really, really specific because when you go to Indian culture, everything is decidedly public. Their their shit is public, mm -hmm. their emotions are public, they're really like they're like they men hold each other's hands, like all of the like it, everything about their like their emotional lives, there doesn't seem to be a privacy thing there mm -hmm. and I think maybe it's that privacy thing that we've drawn down all these veils in western life there's just this tangled web of like what's what can be shown and then when you start to show small bits but not all of it we know what that does to people it's like when you show a man in 19th century England a woman's ankle he starts to like lose his mind you know <laughs> but it's like you show the whole thing then you like get to make your mind up about the whole thing do you like it why do you like it yeah all that stuff I don't know yeah, yeah. It's a curiosity. Um, but t tell me this. So your own sexuality, like is in your sexual relationship with yourself. Did you feel, because this is something you've talked about a little bit as well, like, and a lot of mothers you hear talk about that they didn't feel like having sex. So they didn't feel sexual around when they were a mum initially. And is that something, did you have that same thing? Did that, was that transition a shorter transition or did you ever feel like non-sexual? Yeah, I, I'm a very sexual person. And I think for me, that never went away. <laughs> even, even throughout my pregnancy, I, I, you know, with my first pregnancy, especially my libido was 
to be frank, like terrifying. I felt I felt like I was a danger to society. This feels this this feels a little, you know, abnormal, but it's not, you know, pregnancy affects libido for, for women one way or the other. And for me with my first pregnancy, it was just like way up. Um and pretty, pretty average after I had the baby. And then for my second pregnancy, I was kind of ready for it to be wild again. Uh, but it was, it, it actually didn't, didn't get as wild that second time around. It was, it was more just steady. Um, I don't know if this is true, but what I've heard is when you're pregnant with, with a boy, that their, their little bit of testosterone can really kick up your libido. Mm. And I don't know. My first one was a boy. My second one was a girl. So I don't know if that, if that like, yeah, I had a boy and I was the same, like I was just felt super sexual through my whole pregnancy, like the whole time, like it didn't go away at all. Um, so maybe that is true. The boy thing. And I think like I felt sexual really quickly after giving birth, but then the tiredness because Ruben was such a terrible sleeper, the tiredness, kicked into such an extreme point that there was just nothing like I was just in survival mode then so I think mm-hmm. like when you're in that point of extreme depletion you're not like going woohoo spend the extra energy somewhere now knowing about like Taoist practices and all these things that we've explored recently mm-hmm. like it would have been a nice thing to bring energy back into the body like to have that thing but I think it's it's so common to fall into that pattern of exhaustion the same tropes of motherhood never having sex then stopping wanting sex and those things just kind of it just becomes this like void thing Mm. and I think that's what was so exciting to read your article was to think about like like how you know just blue sky thinking imagining like how would it be if we were talking to mothers in preparation for pregnancy and birth and sexuality was like a part of that conversation and like and how are you going to handle that and what are your practices going to look like and have you talked to your partner about like what sex is going to be like and Mm. what are you comfortable with and like do you have fixed ideas about what I look like as a mother and all those kinds of things yeah I think totally that's something that that's a big piece that's missing I think especially I mean especially with partnered mothers who are partnered, like that conversation, it feels so essential, but we're not, we're not encouraged to have it. And then I think people, people just get kind of blindsided by either, you know, the, the, the turn one way or another of just like this high, crazy libido as my husband was like, Whoa, (laughs) or like, you know, not, not wanting it at all. And I think even women have a, hard time anticipating which is this makes sense like when your body changes so rapidly and so quickly like how are you going to feel about it are you going to love it and is it going to make you feel sexier or are you going to hate it and is it going to make you feel like you want to like you want to hide it away it's it's Mm -hmm. it's almost impossible to know and then even throughout your pregnancy you can you know go back and forth depending on the day and from pregnancy to pregnancy it's also different so I'm predictable but those conversations definitely need to be happening more I think also there's a piece around like self-pleasuring stuff because I think and like we've talked about this lots and a little bit we've touched on in the podcast like how my experience and I came from a family that were really open sexually so I was really lucky that they were really good about my mom was really open to talk to us about that kind of stuff but self-pleasure was not 
talked about in terms of the girls and the family like the guys everyone knew that the guys masturbated in school everyone was talking about masturbation and the guys in porn and that kind of stuff but none of the girls ever talked about it like it, it just wasn't a thing and I wonder if like you know because a, a natural way to come back into your sexuality once you're a mother would be to self-pleasure and to learn again because everything changes that's the other thing isn't it like depending on the birth you've had stuff can look really different down there it can feel really different down there and maybe you're not ready to relate to your partner or to someone else when you haven't relearned to connect with like what do I like now post having a baby do I like it differently and that connection with yourself is really really important but I think that we I mean teaching pregnancy yoga women still are so uncomfortable to even do the perineal massage they're like oh I don't even no thank you you know so then we're saying like well how can you like I really think that you should build yourself yeah exactly (laughs) build yourself pleasure practice so you know what you like and maybe that's a part of the conversation that's missing too oh for sure I was gonna bring that up earlier and I forgot but um yeah self-pleasure is a huge part of my personal practice like I've always been someone who enjoys masturbating you know ideally once a day honestly like it's just like a really uh it helps me to stay in my body there's just Mm -hmm. so many benefits to it and um I I definitely returned to that you know as soon as soon as I could which like you know after having a baby it is a little you're nervous to to, super tricky I don't know what's going on down there and I'm not sure I want to know yet like it it can take a few weeks but um but um Probably a great way to get to know to how you're healing, though, genuinely. Yeah. Uh, well, a great way, as as Lydia touched on before, I think, like, relearning your body is just kind of huge. Like, I think mm-hmm. that um, it took a really long time for me to be able to have an orgas- a partnered orgasm uh, postpartum, um, mm-hmm. even though it was really easy for me beforehand. And I think that masturbating really helped me to, like, relearn, like, okay, well, I don't, I don't get to it the same way. So, so how do I, what, you know, incorporating even new toys that I didn't have before, like, how do I, how do I get there? How do, how do I, how do I do that? Because it's not, it wasn't the same. That was for sure. Cause you know, everything moves around. Um, yeah. I think. And was your, was your, how was that with your partner in terms of them getting to, did that knock anyone's confidence? Was everybody cool in the gang? I mean, I think that it's natural for, for, for men to feel a way about that and feel like it has something to do with them. But I think like being very reassuring and um, even explicit and just like, dude, everything moved around. It's not not, like, don't take this personal. Like (laughs) we're learning again. And then like, and then, I mean, then it provided opportunity for like this really big celebratory moment when like it (laughs) happened. I'm just like, "Ah!" Like we, we did it again like we were able to make that happen this is so exciting and um yeah I mean I think uh, another thing is like going back to like imagination too I think um when I coached couples I've coached a couple that that was bringing a child into the world a hetero couple and um we we did, talked a lot about um just expectations around sexuality but I think something to add is like just having a broader imagination around like what sex can be is also very important mm. that sex sex is so much more than like penetration you know um and even thinking about bringing in some like kink or kinky practices into the bedroom during that time mm. it's not it's not the, th- the first thing that comes to mind but it actually is really helpful in terms of like 
imagination like what what are other intimate sexual practices that we can we can we can play with that are uh that maybe feel better for you as you're pregnant or as as you're as we're exhausted or as you're a new mother um and particularly in that moment you're probably more like aligned with the idea of beating a familiar path back to what you know as opposed to going like i have to like start from scratch and like re like don't tell me to reimagine i can't reimagine my diet don't tell me to reimagine sex <laughs> That's, that's true. But I think, I think more so um, kind of taking it slower and just realizing that there can be a lot of intimacy and sexual energy in like a foot massage, mm. you know, um, or just worshiping one part of the body, you know, belly worship, like mm. how, how much if we just spend a lot of time here, like what can we cultivate together um, that doesn't put so much pressure on like doing things the way we used to do them on like mm. taking that same path towards like penetrative sex. Um, yeah, there are lots of options. So just in terms of your partner, well, like we're talking like sex and sex and motherhood is kind of, but that's, that's our topic here today. But like, just like talk about sex and fatherhood for a second. Like, was he as on board as you were in terms of how closely you could bring the, the roles of mother and, 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 and like sexual, sexually active woman? Like what, what's your, like, how did that go? Was that a, was that a conversation that went sort of like predictably or were there differences there? Um, I think, you know, my partner's on his own journey with his sexuality. And I think overall, he doesn't necessarily think of his sexuality as like a big, as big of a piece of who he is. Mm. Whereas for me, my sexuality is just more essential to who I am um, in, a, in a bigger way. And that's just a bigger piece of the pie. Um, but it's, it's actually been, it's been fun to have conversations as they come up, even around like, you know, our kids, our kids are little and, you know, Daniel and I really, we like being naked. We're, we're, we're not, I guess maybe we are nudists, <laughs> like, really been like, hmm. but, um, you know, nudity around the house is something that's like very comfortable for us. And like, mm -hmm. as the children get older, um, it's something that it's just mostly a lot of questions are coming up. And I think like, um, it feels male sexuality can feel more threatening for very real reasons mm. and i find i find sometimes that i've even internalized that which is interesting so i think it's something that we're still working through like how does that how does that fit with with fatherhood mm -hmm. um with being a male bodied person yeah. like how do you how do you parent sex positively as a male bodied person mm. is i think a huge we have not touched that like uh -uh. Mm. And, and and i i daniel and i are very excited to work that out but in you know we're just traversing a lot of new terrain and and it's it's tricky and it's yeah as i said before i don't know that i answered your question but just mostly it's a lot of a lot of question marks and a lot of like discussing things as they come up it's like oh i noticed this thing happened and like I felt a, you know, a reaction here and like, let's, let's talk through that. Like that, you know, that's either not how I wanted to feel or like, how can we do that differently? Or like what resources are out there? Um, yeah. I think it's really interesting. And, and like you said, it it's constantly shifting. Like we'd be the same at home 
in my house like would be really comfortable being naked like all the time my son's naked we're all naked like that's just the way that that is and so he's really comfortable around bodies and like there isn't really a boundary I mean like obviously we talk about consent and those kinds of things mm-hmm. but like he's touching my body and we have baths mm-hmm. together we sleep in the same bed together you know all of that kind of stuff um and it's interesting like through the ages from three four five six now six and a half nearly seven how that starts to how you navigate that and how like I find that old patterning you know I find myself like in the bath and then he's like trying to touch my vulva or like what is what, that bit's hairy mommy like what's that bit? I really want to touch it mommy I just really want to touch it can I touch it and I'm finding myself like reflex no and then like in my head and then realizing I've been silent too long and like oh I, I don't want there to be shame like what am I going to say and then like spinning out of my head of trying to go like is this because I feel like no that's wrong or is it because someone's told me it's wrong or is it because I really feel that that's wrong like how do I navigate those things and I think those things are constantly coming up it sounds sounds really nice that you have that relationship with your partner where you're able to like bring that stuff to the table in real time and go like so this happens like mm-hmm. how do we feel about this thing and I, I think it is it's really hard to not you like you don't have sorry <laughs> you there? yeah you're there sorry, that. Things. sorry sorry um you don't have uh, all the answers up front and there are constantly new situations that evolve that you're not anticipating around sexuality and and your feelings around it and I think it's like it's so nice and refreshing to talk to someone who feels similarly and I feel like if we had more people openly having these discussions like I certainly would feel like it would be so nice to be able to go like hey this thing happened like mm-hmm. you're ahead of me or you're behind, like how did you navigate that thing and, yeah. and then yeah. there just isn't templates for it because I know when I was Ruben used to touch my nipples all the time yeah. all the time until this year like constantly and I would tell my friends like, oh, he's always touching my nipples and like, it's starting to get sore. And like, I don't know how I feel about it. And then they would be like, just tell him to stop touching your nipples. And I was like, well, I, that doesn't feel natural either because he's seeking some kind of comfort and that's comfortable for me that he's seeking the comfort, but it's also the boundary of like when it becomes sore and like, I don't know, you know, it's these stuff are hard to navigate. Mm-hmm. It is, it's very hard to navigate. And uh, I don't, something that's actually interesting that's happened you're talking about touching nipples and we've talked about like my husband um and his journey as a as a parent and something that happened for us is um because I had my babies very close together we didn't exactly mean to do that but that's how it happened uh my oldest he kind of got the boot a little bit from my body Mm -hmm. having access to my body as much um a little earlier than I would have preferred um but that's the way it had to go, you know, when she came. And what happened is he actually got really attached to my husband's body. And he, he, he actually uses Daniel's nipples as for comfort. He he rubs his nipples. And so Daniel's actually had to do the bulk of navigating this conversation that we're having because he's having to teach to teach our, 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 our kid about consent. That's like having to be a conversation that he's having and he's having to navigate like, okay, my nipples are sore. So how, how how do I, how do I, uh, communicate that to our three-year-old in a way that he can you know work with <laughs> yeah that's just, amazing to have a man thing. navigating that isn't this great does the same thing like, once, as saying, soon okay. as i started to pull away and go it's actually getting really sore for me he just went straight on to his dad and started playing with his nipples mm. too and now he's just started to self-soothe with his own nipples 
Okay. So he's transferred it to himself now. So like he'll be upset and he'll just put his hand on his top and he'll just, he calls it boobying, but like he'll just be <laughs> just like boobying away. And that's the way that that is. And it's fascinating to yeah. watch it, but it's also, it's fascinating it's, to see how uncomfortable it makes people. So that's the yeah, other thing. And, and my partner's really wrestling it with it himself. I see him and we, we talk about it. Um, but you know, in the pandemic, it was a habit that developed because we were just home but then once we're out in public and my three-year-old son is starting to put his hand you know down my husband's shirt it's been interesting to watch him navigate that of like oh like is this am I comfortable with other people seeing this and and if so if not like why and so that's been uh it's it's brought up already like some fun conversations um and it feels like you need to have like a, a series of t-shirts made so that you can present your your arguments to the world in like bite-sized form so you don't have to have conversations everywhere you go to like navigate these things yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting like how uh even that act which is like very decidedly like un not sexual not. Uh, brings up still things for folks like observing a three-year-old male-bodied child rubbing his male-bodied parents nipples like that that's like really challenging for people that's triggering that's weird i wouldn't even think that it's amazing but really it's, it's very it's just this very like primal really like this very primal act that's happening um that is really beautiful and intimate and um yeah. Cool. A nipple's a nipple, essentially, <laughs> in this situation. That's, that's what we learned. <laughs> I know. But also, like, soothers, or what I don't know what you call it there, yeah. like do dummies or dodies, we call it yeah. here. I mean, they're just nipples. Like, and we yeah. buy them, like, transplant nipples and just give them to our kids, and they play with them, and they have them till they're like, some kids have them till they're six or seven, mm. and we're like, that's fine. It's just a fake nipple replacement, exactly. and we're cool with that. But like touch your own nipple and jesus christ yeah, it's not a real one like, how dare you it's so it's i know it's interesting i wanted to know because on your instagram page like you've been navigating taking really beautiful photographs that that explain or like tread the line of trying to marry here i am i'm sexual here i am i'm also mothering at the same time um mm -hmm. do you get a lot of pushback on that yeah i mean i've had this is my third Instagram account because Instagram has deleted my account twice. Mm, wow. Um, and I can't understand why that would be minus, you know, that I'm challenging a lot of these, these norms. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't got a lot of pushback, like, through, like, personal messages or anything, which is really nice i prefer that yeah, no, no mail that's great <laughs> um so i haven't I, I wouldn't say that i've had a lot of pushback minus like instagram not liking it um which and tell us about that content and the purpose of that content what were you trying to like elucidate or were you trying to elicit a yeah, response I or think, i think that i was just wanting um more visibility for for mothers who are sexual who who are very comfortable in their sexuality who like feeling sexy you know as they're moving through the world and like don't shift that just because they have a baby on them um i just realized that i didn't have a lot of of in my head you know images or examples of that as i was becoming a mom but um i was often like prancing around the house in lingerie you know as i was caring for my babies so 
I just uh, realized that I wanted to create more images for women to relate to. And then even as a, as a brown skinned woman or as a, and as a petite woman, like there's these, these, it's really nice to see people that look like you, you know, mm -hmm. there, there's really something to that. And like, when we think about the body positive movement, how like just anytime you see this body that reminds you of yourself, like how powerful that is. And so I was just, I just wanted to add to that, you know, just wanted to add, mm -hmm. add to that with my, with my body. Yeah. And cool. do you think there, there is a thing, isn't there around like our notion of what makes a mother and like good mother versus bad mother. And I think the sexuality thing definitely falls in there as well, doesn't it? Because I think that we have these really inbuilt notions of like I just I have these memories and I don't even know where they're from but I remember like being walking down the street and seeing like a younger mother dressed kind of sexy with a baby and the feeling I don't know whether I was being told it whether I heard mm. it whether other people in the street would do it but having the notion of like god that's inappropriate like yeah. why is she dressed like that with her child and I really feel that in my body and it's not something that I would think when I'm looking at them, but I, I remember that. And, and that is a thing. I think we have this real, like we're totally happy for women to dress sexy and go out to clubs and dates and whatever until they have a baby. And then suddenly it's like, what? Who does she think she is? Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Who does she think she is being mm -hmm. sexy? She's got a baby at home. Mm -hmm. Like that's sending like an inappropriate message to her child. Is it, is it like, is that? there promiscuity? What yeah, is I don't know. Oh, what do you think? I, I mean, the first answer that comes to mind is just like the patriarchy and men wanting to control women's bodies. And just like this idea of like, oh, she already, she has a man presumably. And why is she dressed in this way to attract other mates when she already has, she's already done it. So why, what? I, that's the first thing that comes to mind. I don't know. I think it's a lot of things. Um, once again, like thankfully, I haven't I haven't really uh, had to face any anything super negative with that either. Like I think like people have mostly complimented my appearance when I when I look good and I'm out with my babies. Just like oh, you're such a hot mom. People will say that. <laughs> like thank good. <laughs> Good. I feel like maybe come to good old Catholic Ireland, it might like go slightly differently over here. Am I right? I think we might be just a smidge more conservative. It's weird as well, though, isn't it, that we even have to quantify it, though? Like my initial response to that is like, it's super nice that they said that, but it's a shame that it's like, why can't you just be a hot woman? Like, how come you have to even have mom in that sentence? Yeah. Like, it's like when they say, like, you're really good looking for a 39 year old. <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> thanks that feels super yeah. Yeah, just, just like I don't know yeah it's a weird and then an interesting other aspect to it which is kind of left field but just occurred to me then like I used to work as a nanny for years and like a super nanny and different things and so I was much younger then you know like I would have been in my early 20s and I found that when I was a nanny like when I wasn't the baby's parent and I was pushing a baby in a buggy along the street I would get loads of attention from guys like loads and dads and people going and like finding me attractive and saying that I was attractive and wanting to come and chat to me. And then when I had my own baby and I was walking along the street, it was like, that wasn't sexy. So there was like the nanny 
with the baby yeah, the that's a sexy thing right that's a trope that we know all the time the guys yeah. find the nanny sexy but the actual mum with the buggy that's like she seems harried she's probably a bit naggy she's a bit you know yeah. slumpy like why what it's the same thing yeah the same, same just a woman with yeah. a baby in a buggy like what's that about it's problematic isn't it yeah i mean i feel like i have to apologize on behalf of men here <laughs> the male gaze is a lot to respond to there's a lot to, a lot to answer for it's like we're not we're kind of caught in a bit of a, a an awful middle ground as well because if men are are going to continue to be part of the conversation we can have to continue to express our sexuality and if our sexuality has got a maleness to it it's going to continue to like slip into this kind of like slightly dark place we have to like somehow have it in the light and not allow it to i don't know it's just like the less it's talked about or the less it's allowed to be talked about you feel like the more it subverts it's like this awful thing where we put like we put gagging orders on people about certain words and certain phrases it just internalizes the same thought process drives them deeper makes them darker mm. it's just a really tricky thing to keep men in this conversation as opposed to going like what the fuck stop commenting you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's, and, it's, I, and i feel like that's really sexuality in general and mm. that that thought applies kind of across the board to everything we've been talking about it's just like the more we try, we try to try to hide the fact that like mothers have sexualities, that children have sexualities, that parents um, have needs that need to be met. They, they still need to connect sexually once they're parents. Like the more that we just like, don't talk about these things and push them down. That's where the problems start. Yeah, yeah exactly. Good it's will come back. That's yeah. And like, I even think about the way that you know we're we're trying to imagine this this like post me too world uh um where where and i know we, we focus most mostly on like hetero interactions um but how do we heal the way that men and women interact sexually and like how do how do we interact with each other's sexualities in a way that feels healthy and, and I think that we've really overcompensated. It's just like, oh, well, we just need to like be super careful and not talk about it and pretend like we don't even have sexualities and then yeah. go very slow and tread lightly when like, hmm, maybe the answer is different. Yeah. yeah, agreed. Fully yeah, agreed. It's, Lovely. It's totally true. Thank you so much for taking, uh, for giving us so much of your time. Um, you're busy momming and, and having all the thoughts. So it's amazing to, to really be able to engage with somebody who has this, you know this potential for reimagining their own lives and the potential to educate others it's great it's been really really inspiring and, and really it's like it's been a wonderful conversation and yeah. really good, so that's great yeah. so good what's going on that so wouldn't good. have happened with my kid that wouldn't have happened he would have done all the talking oh my god um but i was thinking yeah it'd be fun to like revisit this conversation in a couple of years when your kids are a little bit older and like see what the questions have come up and yeah. i wonder like it'll be just so interesting to continue yeah, that conversation I'm really trying to get ahead of it because it, ha it happens quickly but yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's like overnight <laughs> i'm <laughs> telling you, you. <laughs> cool oh brianna thank you so much for chatting with us mm. yeah thank you guys it was great and if people want to get in touch with you to work with you as an imagination coach where's the best way that they can find you um, emailing me is best. I do have a website. It's bayleche.com. Okay. Um, you can also find me on Instagram. Unfortunately, there's a very uh, annoying underscore at the end of bayleche since it's my third <laughs> account. But <laughs> you can check out my work on Instagram, and if it appeals to you, check out my website bayleche.com. And there's there's lots of options for how to work with me. 
Cool. Okay, awesome. lovely. Okay, well, it just remains for us to thank our sponsors, News uh, Nutrition, who are fantastic uh, plant-powered protein and nutrition partners, and also to thank Clear Light Saunas, for those of you who want to put a little hot box in your garden and, um, and, and have a nice infrared sauna to improve your life, come and talk to us about that. We'll get you guys some discount codes. And, uh, and thank you so much, Brianna, because you've been absolutely a, a legend. And really, like, we were so giddy to have this conversation, you can't imagine. So it's, yeah. it's been everything we wanted. So thank you for that. Yay. Thank you so much. Nice one. Yay. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.